Praise God. So if you will turn with me in your Bible to the book of Psalms this morning and to Psalm 80. And I'll probably uh, be a little more reserved this morning. Is that all right? Uh, I'll try. Okay. Praise God, Sister Yvette. No. <laughs> Amen. But uh, anyway, in Psalm 80, uh, uh, it's a prayer for Israel's restoration. But I want to, um, I want to go to this psalm, and I'm, I'm going to read a few verses to begin this message, and we'll be touching on um, several verses. There's 19 verses in Psalm 80. I'm not going to read them all, but we will be uh, going to this to the other verses in um, in this message as we go along. Psalm 80 and verse number one, the psalmist says this: "Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Stir up your strength." And come and save us. Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine. And we shall be saved. And that's repeated in verse 7. If you'll drop down to verse 7. Restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine. And we shall be saved. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your presence here this morning. Help me as I minister your word to say what you want me to say in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. I want to, I want to call, I want to just let you know, the title of my message this morning is The Impeachment of America. The word impeach, and we've, it's a word we've heard quite frequently in the last few months, but the word impeach actually means to accuse or to call to account or to charge with a crime. So as I go through this, I want us to just think about this morning, is that what is happening today to America is God... Calling us to account today for our behavior, for our actions, for what we've allowed in this nation. Because I think that we would all agree this morning that this great, wonderful nation of ours is in trouble today. We're in trouble. I, I, I've said it already. I say it again. I love America. I still believe that it is the greatest nation on the face of this earth. I was watching that video. I had this, it had the same effects on me this morning as it did the other morning when I was watching it. I choked up because I love this country. And I'm grieved in my heart of what I see happening to us every single day. Because America is the greatest nation on the face of this earth, but this nation right now, ladies and gentlemen, we're sick and we're sick unto death. And we as a nation are in a moral free fall that has nearly hit the bottom. And unless there's something takes place, unless 
there's a turnaround. The United States will more than likely become a molded crust at the bottom of history's garbage can. And I don't want to see that happen to this country. Not in my lifetime anyway. Something, or for the sake of my grandchildren, I want my grandchildren to have the same opportunity to grow up in the same land that I had the opportunity to grow up in. But something has to be done. And something has to be done quickly or else we will come to the place of no repair. No repair. We will come to the place in this country of no return, the point of no return. And I do not want to see that happen to this great nation. God is our only help today. Yeah, forgive me, I'm trying to compose myself, but Psalm 80 that we've read here is a prayer for a national revival. It's a, it's, a, it's a prayer for a spiritual restoration. As I read to you this morning, the psalmist here prays and, and inquires of God and he says to the Lord, stir up your strength and come and save us and restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. And I believe that that is a prayer that we need to be praying today. This was a prayer to God that was prayed in desperate and troubled times. And it was a prayer that was prayed for the nation of Israel. And they were in a terrible, terrible situation at this particular time in verse number 4. When you look at this psalm, verse number 4 reveals to us that Israel as a nation had come to a place where God was just not hearing and answering their prayers anymore. The Bible says there in verse number 4, the psalmist says, O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? And so that tells us that they were praying some prayers, but their prayers were not being answered and that God was actually angry at their prayers. And when you look at that and you think about that, you would say, why would that be the case? I thought God delighted in the prayer of the righteous. And the Bible says that He does. And that is true, He does. But God was angry with their prayers at that time. And I'll tell you why. It's because they were praying, but they were not changing. They were praying, but they were not repenting. And I can tell you this morning, I'm all about prayer and I'm all for prayer. We need to be praying, but prayer without repentance and without us changing is an insult to God and it makes God angry. And God is not pleased with that. There's some folks today that are always wanting prayer and asking for prayer. You know, sometimes people want to spend six days sowing their wild oats and then come to church on Sunday and pray for a crop failure. But that's not the way it works. You know, here in America, and I'm glad that we do have in May, we have every May, that we have a national day of prayer that is that is set aside that... That, that on a Thursday in May, that in every city across this nation, at the courthouses, they gather together and they pray. And I'm all for that and I'm all about that. And there are times throughout the year, just recently, as recently as back in March, our president called for a special day of prayer concerning the coronavirus. And we acknowledged that here. And I read his proclamation if you will remember in that service, and we had a special time of prayer here as well. 
And I'm all for the National Day of Prayer. And I thank God for that and all the special times of prayer that are called. And I believe that we need leaders that will call our, our nation to prayer. But I think that there's something that we need more than just a day of prayer. We need today a National Day of Repentance in the United States of America. Because much of our praying is God bless us. But God wants to hear us say, and God does want to bless us, but God wants to hear us say, God, forgive us. And, and, and in the last several weeks, I find myself in prayer more and more and more, repenting not, not only for my own failures and my sins, but repenting for this nation, repenting for God's church. Jesus told that church, in the book of Revelation over and over and over, you know, to repent, repent, repent. Actually, the, the last message that Jesus left to the church was the message of repentance, that the church needed to repent. And I believe with all my heart that what we see going on today is, is God calling America to account. And God is telling us, yeah, I want you to pray. But you remember the prayer, and I preached on it in one of the parking lot services, that it's prayer time in America. If you were here at that service, and that prayer from 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. But it didn't stop there. And what? Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And then I will forgive their sin. And then I will heal their land. And that's what God is wanting to hear come from the hearts of our people. Amen. I would love to hear our president announce that. That we're, one, we're going to call a national day of repentance for the church and for America. And I know everybody wouldn't do it. They would laugh him to scorn. But they, hey, they criticize everything he does anyway. Why don't he just get up there and say, America needs to repent. Let's pray and ask God to forgive us as a nation of our sins. But God was angry with the prayers of Israel at that particular time. And it was also a nation that had been baptized in much sorrow. Because he said in verse number 5, God, you have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in great measure. I think we all know that sorrow always follows sin. And there is deep sorrow in the United States of America today. And ladies and gentlemen, it's, you know, we can point fingers and we can blame this one, we can blame that one, but... The reason for the sorrow that is in this nation today is because of our sin and because we have rejected the Lord and we turned our backs upon God and we've rejected His Word. Now hang with me because the negative comes first, but we'll get to the positive before this message is over. But they were a nation that had been baptized in sorrow just as we today have, uh, have uh, we're feeding on tears today as well and we are drinking tears in great measure in this nation today. There's sorrow across this land. But there was also, Israel was a nation at this time of great shame. And if you'll notice in verse number 6 of that 80th Psalm, it says, You have made us a strife. And this was the prayer of this psalmist to uh, the Lord concerning the nation. And he said, You have made us a strife to our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. And when I read that, I can't help but, but, but think today that what is taking place, what we see taking place in the streets of this nation today is shameful 
and it is degrading. And, I, you know, I know I hear different ones saying, well, you know, we have the right to assemble and we have the right to protest. And uh, one, one uh, news commentator said that 90% of the protests have been peaceful. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you that is not true. That is not true. 90%, and even if it were true, the 10% that have not been peaceful brings shame and brings disgrace to this great nation. And I know that what is going on in this country today is, is shameful for this nation. It's degrading. The toppling of, of, our, of our historic monuments and statues and the defacing of those things and, and the, the looting and the rioting and and, and the stealing and the lawlessness and the anarchy and um, the chop and the chaz and all that foolishness and all of that nonsense that's going on today in this nation is shameful and it's degrading for such a great country as ours. As you look at the video that we showed this morning, that is the kind of America that I grew up in and that is the kind of America that I want to see again today and for my children and my grandchildren. And I know that there are nations, other nations of this world that must be laughing at us. As the psalmist said, our enemies laugh among themselves. They're laughing today in some of the other countries uh, across the world and laughing at this great United States of America. And I know that there are those also that are rejoicing at what they see happening. And what's so shameful is this. And you know, you may, I may make some enemies today. I pray that that's not the case. But what's so shameful today is that there are those even within our own nation and in our own government today are rejoicing at what is happening, what they see happening, hoping for the demise of this country. I believe that what has orchestrated and what has been orchestrated and what we see carried on in the streets of our city and this nation today has been orchestrated by the enemy to destroy us, to bring us down, to completely take us out, to wipe us out, to, that we to, to totally reset us, to change us, that we would no longer be the great nation that we have been for these hundreds of years. That is the desire of the enemy. And folks, listen to me, America today is in despair and we need help and we need healing and we need restoration and can I tell you that that healing and that help and that restoration must come from God Almighty He is the only one that can save us and can restore us and can help us so the nation was in despair but, but there is such a glorious design to America when you think about America, and of course this psalm, this psalmist was praying for Israel, and he was refer referring to Israel, how that God had planted the nation of Israel, and in verse 8 and 9 of that psalm, do you mind if I just kind of take my time a little bit this morning and go through this? In verse 8 and 9 of this psalm, notice what the psalmist said to God in his prayer, he said, you, you have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root. And it filled the land. So here the psalmist is referring to how that God birthed and planted the nation of Israel. 
God had brought them out of Egypt supernaturally. He had brought them through the wilderness 40 years of, of journeying through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. And God had blessed them and God had made them, Israel, the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Under the reign of King Solomon, there was no nation anywhere that was as prosperous, as blessed, as mighty, and as great as the nation of Israel. And during the reign of Solomon, it was a, it was a time when Israel was not quite, but they were almost possessed all of the land and fulfilled the, the covenant that God had made with Abraham. They were a great nation. They were planted by God. They were established by God. They were birthed by God. They were there. And Israel is still a nation today because of divine design. And can I say something to the enemies of Israel? They will remain a nation. They will always be a nation. And there is coming a day that Israel will be again the greatest nation on the face of this earth again. But there is such a parallel between the nation of Israel and the United States of America. I'm not saying that they are the same, and I'm not teaching any kind of replacement theology. But there are many similarities between America and the nation of Israel. Because listen to me, there was the, the nation of Israel was the only godly nation on the face of this earth. When God planted them. And their, their, their role and the plan of God for Israel was that they were to take the truth of God's word and law to the other nations of the earth. But they failed in that commission that God had given them. But the similarities are striking between the nation of Israel and the United States. Because when you look at our nation, no nation, no nation on this earth has had the godly Christian beginning that the United States of America has had. I believe that it is obvious and it is very obvious that God has, as, as God had planted Israel, that God has also planted, divinely planted, the United States of America. God Almighty raised this nation up and brought us into existence with a plan and a purpose for America. And God has blessed America. Amen? The American dream was planted in the bosom of our founding fathers by God Himself. And I don't care what former presidents or leaders have to say to get up and say that we're not a Christian nation. But I'm going to tell you this. We've drifted far from what we began as. But God planted and birthed this nation as a Christian nation founded on the Word of Almighty God. He planted that dream. That dream of a Christian nation in the heart of our founding fathers in 1620. The pilgrims came to America seeking religious liberty and freedom. They, on their journey across the ocean, huddled beneath the deck of the Mayflower and wrote what we know as the Mayflower Compact, which began with the words, In the name of God, Amen. They wrote in that compact that their voyage to these shores was 
the advancement of the Christian faith. Today, today, our lawmakers, our politicians, today want to destroy our history. The people that are in the streets today want to destroy our history and our heritage. And I believe it's time that we stand up and say, no, that's enough. We will not allow the history and the heritage of America to be destroyed. Come on. I, I'm not standing I'm, I'm not standing here telling you that everything that happened in this nation was right. I'm not. A, you know me better than that. But I am saying that where do we stop in destroying our history and our heritage? Where does it end? Where does it stop? Because now one nuthead has already said that the statues of Jesus should come down because he was a white supremacist. How foolish! How and how nonsensical can this? Where does it end, and how far does it go? Are you listening to me? Hallelujah! I'm trying not to be political, but it's hard to preach from this text and not be a little bit political. Political correctness needs to go out the window. Amen. But this group today that want to destroy the heritage of this nation, which was founded on the Word of God. I want to read to you this morning. And I said I'm taking my time. And please bear with me because I want to read. I want to read some excerpts of a speech that was given in 1954. It was printed in Time magazine in 1954 by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, Earl Warren. And who Earl Warren was not by any means a conservative. I tried to find out exactly what he was and what I read said that he was a liberal conservative. I don't know what that means. Amen. But uh, Earl Warren was the one that headed up the Warren Commission wanting to investigate the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Now, he was the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He was appointed in 1953 by Dwight Eisenhower. And I want to read some excerpts and listen to what who, who we know that he was not a conservative per se. But listen to what he had to say about our nation and compare it to what we're hearing today. But he said this, I quote, he said, I believe that no one can read the history of our country without realizing the good book, which is the Bible, and the spirit of the Savior, which have from the beginning been our guiding genius. Whether we look at the first charter of Virginia or the Charter of New England, or the Charter of Massachusetts Bay, or the Fundamental Orders of Connecticut. The same objective is present. A Christian land governed by Christian principles. I believe, he goes on and says this, I believe the entire Bill of Rights came into being because of the knowledge of our forefathers that they had the knowledge that our forefathers had of the Bible and their belief in it. Freedom of belief, of expression, of assembly, of petition, the dignity of the individual, the sanctity of the home. 
equal justice under the law and the reservation of the powers of the people. Chief Justice Warren went on to say, I would like to believe that we are living today in the spirit of the Christian religion. I would also like to believe that as long as we do, no great harm can come to our country. I'm going to read that again. I would like to believe, listen, I would like to believe that we are living today in the spirit of the Christian religion. I would also like to believe that as long as we do, no great harm can come to our country. The great hymn, and I, I, I happen to agree with that, amen? amen? Maybe the reason, not maybe, but I'm sure I'm positive, the reason is, the reason that harm has come to this country, the reason we are experiencing what we are, are experiencing today in our country is simply because, and I know this is definitely not popular today, but it's because we have lost the spirit of the Christian of Christianity in this nation, and we have toppled the Word of God and the Bible, and Jesus Christ means nothing to this nation anymore. And that is the reason I believe that we're seeing great harm in this country. How many when you when you went to school? I, listen, listen. I, when when I was in grade school, we went to school at at uh, I went to Jefferson School in uh, Cape Girardeau. And every morning we had an assembly. Did anybody else do that in your grade schools? I mean, we had an assembly. Um, every class, K, K through six, every class would line up and, and line up all around the front of the school. And the Boy Scouts would come out as the honor guard and they would raise the flag. And every morning they played the Star Spangled Banner and we stood there while we watched the flag. I mean, every day. If it was raining, if it was raining outside, we assembled in the hallway and did it in the hallway. And we, we, we heard the star-spangled star banner, and nobody dared take a knee while that was going on. And we listened to that, and then we put our hand over our heart, and we turned toward the flag. And every morning, without fail, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We would say that pledge of allegiance every morning. Our schools, Brother Terry, taught a love for this country. They taught a patriotism for this nation, which has been gone for some time, I'm sure, in the majority, maybe not around here, but in the majority of the schools, the history of this nation is no longer taught as it was when we were growing up. But that great hymn, America, you remember singing it in school, My Country, Tis of Thee, you remember that? We, we learned the song in school, we sang it in school, My Country, Tis of Thee, Sweet Land of Liberty, of Thee I Sing. Land where my fathers died. Land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. That was a song that we sang. But, but that was the first stanza. And there was 
stanzas. But let me, let me, let me quote to you, to read to you the very last stanza of that great hymn, My Country Tis of Thee. Our fathers got to thee, anchor of liberty, to thee we sing. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Protect us by thy might, great God our King. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Don't tell me America didn't have a king. They believed in a king. They had a king. And they said the king of this nation is Almighty God. Not Mohammed. Not Buddha. Come on, my hearty Krishna. But the king of America is the Lord God Almighty. The Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God prospered. He planted this nation. He prospered this nation. You can read verses 10 and 11 in that Indian song of how God prospered them. And God is prospered and blessed America in so many ways. And I, I think that goes without saying. Even the poor of this nation are rich compared to many people in third world countries today. We are a blessed people, but yet nobody's happy and nobody's satisfied. They want to change everything. Not only was the nation of Israel divinely planted and prospered, they were also divinely protected. In verse number 12, that verse speaks of a hedge. Verse number 12, our hedge is plural. And he says, he asked the Lord the question, why? Have you broken down her hedges? The word hedges there speaks of protection. When a man in Bible times, when a person, a man planted a, a vineyard, he put a thick hedge of thorns around it to protect that vineyard from predators and from thieves. And God, when he planted, he planted the vine, he planted Israel. And that's what the psalmist was speaking of here. Of God, of, of Israel, the nation of Israel being God's vineyard, God's vine. God planted Israel and God put a hedge around about her. You know, and he even said, as they traveled, he even said that uh, in, in Psalm 105, he said, to the kings that surrounded them, touch not my anointing. And do my prophets no harm. God put a hedge around that nation and they were protected. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. As long as Israel served God and lived for God and did not go into idolatry, God protected them and there was not a nation around them anywhere, a heathen nation that could defeat them, that could destroy them, or that could invade them. Are you listening to what I'm saying? God hedged them around and God pr protected them. And I believe that we can say today unequivocally that God also as He planted America, God has hedged us about. God has protected America. Would you agree with that? When you compare America and this nation with what has happened 
uh, during World War II in England and France and Germany and, and Japan. When you compare this nation, what has happened in, in the countries of Vietnam and, and, and Korea, when you compare this nation with, with what's happened in the other nations of this world, I think it's very obvious that God has protected and hedged America about. The closest thing we ever saw to the hedge being lifted was in 9-11. We saw a little breach, a little break, and what can happen if the hedge is breached, which I believe with all my heart that, 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 that September 11, 2001, was a wake-up call to America. And God, did He cause those, those, those demon-possessed men to fly those... Uh, airplanes into the World Trade Center? No, God didn't cause it. But God was uh, showing us one thing. What can happen if the hedge is lifted? If the hedge is broken? If the protection, if the hand of God is just moved back for just a moment in time? And people took that as a or Roberts even prophesied about it, that it was a wake-up call. There were some other prophets of God at that time in 2001 that prophesied the that it was a wake-up call to America. But it didn't last long. Are you listening to me? God has protected us. He has been our defender. He has helped us. He has protected us as a nation. But notice what he says. Notice what the psalmist says concerning the hedges. Concerning the hedge around Israel in verse 12. He said, why have you broken down her hedges? See, God put that hedge about Israel, but the hedge, something happened to their protection. Something happened to the hedge that was around them. Something almost happened that, that, that removed the protection. And the hedge was broken down. And I'm afraid this morning, church, that this is exactly what has happened in the United States of America. That the hedge has been broken down. The hedge has been removed. See, the Bible does teach us about hedges. If you'll study the Word of God, the Bible does teach us about hedges. You can find it in the story of Job, how that in the book of Job, it teaches us how that God's hedge of protection was around Job. Do you remember that? The devil came before the Lord, and the devil wanted to get his hands on Job. And so the devil told God that the only reason that Job was serving him was because of the blessing of God upon his life. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? And he said, yeah, I'd really like to get at him. I'd really like to get to him. But, but, but I love what Satan said. There's not many things Satan said that I like. But one thing that Satan said to God that I do like is, you have put a hedge about him and around all he possesses. And as long as that hedge is up, I cannot touch him. I cannot get to him. Are you listening to me? I said the Bible teaches us about hedges of protection. There is a doctrine of hedges. And the devil, when God, listen to me, upon the life, please listen. When God puts a hedge up around an individual or, 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 or around a nation, the devil cannot penetrate God's hedge. Isaiah chapter 5. Are you with me? Isaiah chapter 5. Verse 1 says this. 
Now let me sing to my well-beloved the song of my well of my beloved regarding his vineyard. The vineyard was God's nation of Israel. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine, the nation of Israel. Remember the similarities between Israel and the U.S. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. Now get this. God plants this vineyard on a fruitful hill. He puts a tower in the midst. He puts a wine press in it. And look what he says. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes. When God plants a nation, he has a purpose in it. He wants them to bring forth some fruit. Some good fruit and fulfill the purpose of God. That was the purpose of Israel. That was the purpose in God planting America. And he expected, to, he expected it to bring forth good grapes. But notice, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. Look at, look at, look at verse 4. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it. And I'm telling you that I believe this is the very thing that God is saying about, He said it about Israel, but I believe He's saying it about the United States of America. I have done everything I know to do for this nation. What more could I have done to it and in it? What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not already done. Amen. Why then when I expected it to bring forth good grapes did it bring forth wild grapes? And now please, look at verse 5. And now please, and I believe, I believe this is where we're at. I believe this answers a lot of questions today that we may have. I believe this is telling us where we're at in America. And now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge. And notice the next phrase. And what happens when the hedge is on? And it shall be burned. David Wilkerson prophesied in 1986, I believe it was, that he had a vision of a thousand fires burning in America. And in New York City, it shall be burned, break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. God said, I founded this nation, I prospered this nation, I protected this nation, and I expected this nation to bring forth, forth grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And so God said, I've done everything I know to do to this nation and for this nation. So the only thing left is, I will take away the hedge. And the result the result of the hedge being removed and lifted. The result is never a pretty result because when the hedge is lifted, what happens? The enemy comes in. Harmful things come in. The hedge is down and America is invaded by enemies and, 
and, and America's disintegrating before our very eyes. And the thing is, it's not being invaded by enemies from foreign soil. It's being invaded by enemies right here in this country. And what amazes me is that we are, oh God help me, we, we, we in this nation have become so soft and we have become so weak and we have become so politically correct that we will not even do anything about it and lawlessness is running amok in the streets of our city. They, 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 they thought they'd come to immigrants, didn't they, last night? But the country boys showed up and showed up. so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit. Verse, verse 13, the boar out of the woods uproots it. The wild beast of the field devours it. What's he talking about? Because of the hedge being down. Because of the protection being removed. Now those who pass by just go in at their leisure, at their will, and they pluck the fruit. They take the fruit. They, they, they rob and they steal and they destroy. And then he goes on to say that the wild, the boar, the wild, the boar was a wild hog. And that wild beast of the field comes in. That wild boar comes in and devours that vineyard to come to devour. And that's what the wild hog does. The wild hog comes to devour the fruit of the land. But listen, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. But that wild boar is not just content with the fruit. See, when a hog comes in, and that's spiritually speaking, when that hog comes in, it, the hog deals not just with the fruit, but deals with the root. The hog roots up what is underneath and it destroys the root that is there. The hog destroys the fiber and the core and the foundation which the, the wild boar represents an internal destruction where the foundation and the very foundation, the very root is being uprooted. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, can I submit to you today that America has become so immoral and so corrupt that the hedge has been broken down and the wild unclean spirits of darkness have come in and they are possessing people that are uprooting the vine, that are plucking our fruit, that are, that are, that are focused now on destroying the very root of this nation, the very foundation of this nation, the very core of this nation. I don't expect you to shout. But that is what we're seeing happening before our eyes today in the United States of America. Oh, but Brother Rick, we're the number one nation. Now we're number one. What are we, what are we number one in? We're number one in homosexuality. We're number one in divorce. We're number one in the destruction of family values. We're number one in the slaughter of unborn innocent babies. What are we number one in? Now we got a lot of things to brag about, don't we? We got a lot of things as our nation. I'm being a little hard on our nation today. I'm being a little rough on America today. But I believe that we're seeing the results of, of 60 million unborn babies killed. Somebody wanted to argue with me on Facebook about it. You know, said, well, nobody's holding a gun. Nobody's holding a gun to the head. It's just their choice. It's a choice. Hey, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. You do not have the choice 
Jesus left it, everybody will wear a face mask. What happened to choice? I made a statement some months ago that close to this election, we'll probably lose more people. But I must speak out. Something is wrong with America. The tidal wave of lawlessness is sweeping the nation. We're in a moral free throw. The Ten Commandments are out. Robbery, murder, looting, rioting, rebellion, and anarchy are in. There's something terribly wrong in this nation because we have expelled God from this nation. And in 2012, the Democratic National Convention, I didn't know if I'll say it or not, but I'm going to say it anyhow. The Democratic National Convention on the convention floor voted God out of their party. And ever since then, the hedge has been down. The wild hogs have come in and taken over. And it's that, that party has been demonized. Are you listening to me? Oh, you better watch out, Brother Rick. They'll take away your tax-exempt status. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to preach the gospel. Whatever they think they got to do, they can do. We're going to preach the word of Almighty God. We cannot allow a party that is controlling rules by demon spirits to take control of the United States of America. Hallelujah! Praise God! My family was raised Democrats. I was raised a Democrat. The Democratic Party today is not the Democratic Party of my mom and I bet this will last long on Facebook. Yeah. 
in this nation, but we are not a, a racist nation. How could a nation elect a black president two terms and be considered racist? I'm not trying to be a Fox News show today. The hedge is down. So God said, if you don't want me, I'll just take away my hedge. And that's what I believe has happened. If you notice, I'm bringing this to a close. But notice the prayer of this godly patriot from Psalm 80. We got some patriots in this room today. We got some men and women here today who love this country today in the life family church. We got some men and women that have served this nation. Amen. We got the Navy here. We got the Marines here. We've got the Air Force here. We've got the army here. We're going to have to watch you go while you're doing Praise God! We love this country, but God says, if you don't want me, I'll just take my hedge. But the prayer of this patriot in verse 14, he says, return, we beseech you. O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see and visit this vine. This should be what we're calling on the Lord to do. Lord, we need you to visit this vine. God is the only one big enough and strong enough and wise enough to deliver us and to save us. I said God is the only one that can visit this vine and heal us and restore us. We must. And I don't want to, you know, I, I know people say, well, you, you say it all the time. Are, are, you, are you on a hobby horse? Well, if I am, it's a good hobby horse because we must. It's imperative that we seek the face of Almighty God like we never had before. And it's time that we pray, God, return and visit your vine. You've planted this nation. You've prospered this nation. You've protected this nation. But the hedge is down. God, please return and visit your vine. Give us another chance, God. Give us another move, God. Give us another spiritual awakening. Restore us, Lord God of hosts, and cause your face to shine that we will be saved. We need to be praying like Samson did. Samson failed. Samson lost the spirit. Samson lost the power of God. Samson was taken into captivity by the Philistines and they brought him out to make sport of him and to shame him and to make fun of him. But Samson got a hold of those pillars and he prayed one more prayer. I said he prayed one more prayer and he said, Oh God, remember me only this once and let me have honor all against these Philistines for my two eyes. I think of the church would say, God, hear us one more time. Send us one more revival. Give us one more move of God. Give us one more spiritual awakening. We've got to have it. Visit your mind, oh Lord, and restore us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Samson killed more enemy, more of the Philistines in his death than he did all his life with that last prayer. Let this last prayer bring in a harvest of souls, more souls. Right before.
Worship team, you can make your way back. The question we have to ask, are we too far gone? I know I would get varied answers to that. And I, I believe that there would be some that say we are. I, I think that the devil would have us to believe that that's so. But if, there's the biggest word now in the Bible, if, if we will return to God by fasting and prayer and weeping, repenting, I really believe that God will send an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival. And people say, well, you're not going to get Hollywood and all these sinners to repent. Probably not. And God, but what God's trying to get done is He's trying to get the church to do it. My people. Let's call them my name. He's trying to get the church to straighten up. I believe that if we will meet the conditions, He will send the revival. Now what I'm going to say now in closing it's probably going to upset some people. I, I upset someone in prayer meeting yesterday. And I'm getting real good at doing that. We have got to stop. I'm talking to you, church. We have got to stop looking to the White House and the State House. Because God does not have to route a revival through Washington. I am for President Trump. I think y'all know that. I will vote for him on November 3rd. I will vote for him twice. But I'm not a Democrat. I support him. I pray for him every single day. He needs the prayers of the church today in this day which we're living in. But can I tell you that Donald Trump, God has placed him there these last four years to, to, to help us. Can you imagine what we would be if there would have been an opposite result? But please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Donald Trump is not the Savior. He's not. He's not the Savior. Jesus is. Jesus. I said Jesus is. Does God use leaders? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, he's not. He's not a Christian. Somebody blasted me on Facebook. I'm mean, it's part of Facebook. Somebody blasted me on there, you know. How? They said, really, Rick? I had posted the picture of the president with the Bible outside the church. Really, Rick? He has used God's name in vain. He has said he didn't, uh, he didn't have to ask God for forgiveness and blah, 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 blah. And I said, I said to this person, I said he's my president, not my pastor. Does he bear the fruit of the Christian? Not really. I don't know if he's saved. I don't know where he's at. Some say he's saved and he's a, he's a baby Christian. I don't know. Only God knows his heart. But I do know this. Whether he's saved 
He does have a heart for the church. He does have a heart for the Bible. He does have a heart for the things of God. And the other side does not. The other side wants this church shut down. The other side used, oh, come on, help me, Jesus. We may not have nobody left. But the other side used this pandemic to shut the doors of the church. And it was okay to riot. And it was okay to burn down cities. But you can't go to the church you might spread. COVID-19 away with that foolishness. Are you hearing me today? Give us a leader and leaders. Amen in this next election. And for this nation, family and according to this Bible. That will have the same views and the same outlook that our Lord had in history. That will recognize we are a nation based on the Bible that our building Sleeping giant. 
filled him with a terrible resolve. And Pilate Life, it's time for God's people to be filled with a terrible resolve. It's time for the sleeping giant. Who's the sleeping giant? The church. The sleeping giant. The powerful church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've went to sleep. And let this attack that Satan has meant to paralyze and defeat us. My prayers may it arouse the sleeping giant of Christians and churches all over this nation that will stand up in a sense and shake themselves and pray that one more prayer and see God move and stand up with, with a resolve that we will not be moved, we will not be shaken, we will not quit, we will not give up, we will not back down, hallelujah, until we see God move in our nation one more time. God visit his mind. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. 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 God help us today. I don't know how to give an altar call for this. The only thing that I know to do, I know I've, I've, I've probably preached over time, but the only thing that I know to do is to call us together. Amen. To call us this congregation. You know, if I, if, I, if I was here this morning and wasn't saved, I'd be running in the soul. We're that close. We're that close. But I want to call us together to prayer. To come and stand across the front. And I, and I want everyone here that will, that will say, Pastor Rick, Pastor Rick, I stand with our nation. I stand with the Word of God. I stand with our president today. I'm praying that God will give us a visitation of His mind. Amen. Would you come this morning? Our worship team's going to sing something. I just want us to stand across the front and let's pray together a prayer this morning as we leave. We need boldness. We need power. We need God's help today. Go ahead.